0: So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers.
1: Again, and welcome to Hosers my name is Chris Killingsworth, and joining me as always is my co-host Carter Lupel Carter what's going on man hey man how's it going It's good um, that's weird Usually you say how's it going Chris Do it Oh f- I'm, I'm a it's been a long day it's been a really long day No it's it's just funny because every time we record that intro more or less the exact same and it's always how's it going Chris? How's it? Hi Chris. We could have got it on a T-shirt or something. That could have been funny.
0: Fuck! Should we do that again, or should we just leave this little snippet no, in? We're leaving it. Okay. Um, well, it's gonna be how's it going, Chris? From <laughs> you sound cool though. So yeah.
1: Whatever. Mike um, Wasalski. <laughs> you do kind of sound like that.
0: That uh, monsters in. Uh, she's, she's. Sorry. Go ahead. Say? No, the I was just going to Tim and the Human Furnace. You guys, yeah, that's you guys see that game
1: that's more what it sounds like yeah <laughs> Thank you, we Tim can get on. Tim on to do his human furnace impression another time <laughs> but uh, anyways we're on episode 6 so that's cool the Brock Besser episode if you will <laughs> Um, but yeah, excited to be here. I hope you guys like the intro that I I pieced into this uh, particular episode. I've been wanting to use a Phil Collins song for a while. So I'm glad that uh, I was able to do that. Did I ever tell you how I was like obsessed with Phil Collins when I was a kid? No. (laughs) It's actually weird. I know my mom listens to the podcast. I'm sure she'll love this, but Uh, My mom and dad uh, loved Phil Collins and I imagine they still do like Phil Collins. So when I was a kid and we would travel and whatever, Genesis or just like Phil Collins solo stuff was almost exclusively played in the car with my parents. And uh, I think there's this one song. Are you familiar with the Phil Collins catalog? Uh, uh, Yeah, my dad's a huge Peter Gabriel and Genesis fan, so... Yeah, that's fair. I'm not a Peter Gabriel guy so much. Like, I don't mind a couple of his, like, bangers. You know, Sledgehammer <laughs> and, you know, uh, Shock the Monkey. But anyways, there's this Phil Phil Collins song, Mama. Are you familiar with it? No, not that one. Dude, it's just so sick. And when I was a kid, I guess I used to, like, make my parents play it on repeat. <laughs> um, maybe I can, like... You know what, I'll do? I will like put a bit of a snippet of the song into the next couple seconds. Okay. (laughs) i <laughs> And by now, you know what I mean about why I love the song. How about that, like, weird, like, noise he makes that, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> It's fucking sick, man. And I don't care if you don't like it.
0: I love it. No, actually, you know who's another big Collins fan is uh, Dinkerby. I actually knew that. Yeah, he yeah, loves, he, like, he loves told Genesis. Me, yeah, he,
1: um, he works at the Burger. Have you been there yet? Oh, Burger it's Royale. So good. It's the best. It's, like, literally up the street from where we live. And he was telling me about how he or, or I remember if he told me or I just saw he had like a Phil Collins lyric in one of his Instagram posts. Yeah. And some girl commented like that's the caption of, of this photo of him. And some girl commented, like, Well, that's pretty aggressive and he was like, It's a Phil Collins lyric, like, <laughs> read a book, you know. I just thought that was funny because of all people who you could you know, like A very select group of people in our age bracket are going to know a Phil Collins lyric, like, you know, staring right in in their face, you know.
0: (laughs) But uh, anyways, he's a special case, though. Like his his dad was a a famous drummer and Dylan inherited his love for music from that. So I, I trust a lot of what Dylan has to say about music. Yeah. And he's been itching to get on the podcast literally every time I
1: see him to order some chicken fingers he's like dude you got to get me on the show so we'll get him on at some point we have like a list of people who we said that we're going to bring on so we actually got to stick to that plan in the next month do we hurt his feelings and tell him we want lehman first or i don't know maybe we could get both of them at the same time it could be a family special and we could get gary to be like well i played for the flames and i played for the leafs And Dylan doesn't clean his room, and here we are. (laughs) You forgot that he won a cup with the Canadians. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Do you think it's weird for a player who, like, had a career with, like, maybe you start on the Leafs and then you end up on the Canadians? Like, do you think it's weird to know that the opposing, like, fans, like, for example, when I think of, like, Gilmore in, like, a a Blackhawks jersey or, like, a Canadians jersey, like, it just makes me sick. (laughs) But do you, yeah. what, what do you think the player feels like? You know what I mean? Like, to go from, like, one organization that's, like, and they're, like, so beloved by that team, yeah. or the, the, those fans, rather, and then they end up playing for, like, the competitor, you know? Um,
0: I, I think it would be weird in, like, 1998 prior. <laughs> and That's, that's a, awfully specific of well, you. <laughs> well, like, you saw, like, kind of, like... When the rise of like Pekka and Medano and everything when they came through in the late '90s, they were like the beginning of a transition into that new game that we kind of discussed in the um, in the earlier episodes. But before that, like you, like teams were so like for lack of a better word, like teams and their tram or their fan base were very um, can I say tribal? Like, is that fair to like they were. Like, there, the team was the core and, like, everything was built around the core and there's a whole... Like, there's a whole subculture around the team that you kind of don't see anymore, which is... Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, but I wonder if it's just because the fandom's changed, right?
0: Oh, the fandom has changed huge. And so where... Like, I could... Like you said, you could never imagine Gilmore in a Habs jersey or a Blackhawks jersey. Like, I could never... Imagine watching Koivu growing up wearing a Leafs jersey or I could never imagine uh, Joe Sakic wearing an LA jersey like yeah and I mean the only
1: player I can think of specifically that like really messed me up when I was a kid Gilmore more so like as I got older and like really understand like what happened there and like same with Shane Corson yeah but that's also like a, a local thing Shane Corson and his family have a restaurant, like, literally down the street from where I live, called Moms. Have you ever been there? I love Moms. I don't think it's still owned by the family. I might be wrong on that. But when I was a kid, there was, like, it was, like, well-known that Shane Corson's family owns this restaurant. We used to go there on Sundays for breakfast as a kid sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um... I just remember seeing like Shane Corson's leaf Jersey and then Shane Corson's Habs Jersey and was just like, you can't do this. You can't <laughs> do both. That's not how this shit works. Or like, you know, when Clark played for the Islanders and yeah. like the only other one that like really messed me up. And this is different. Cause obviously Sandine was drafted by the Nordiques and then came over in that trade to the Leafs. Yeah. But, um, someone recently tweeted a photo of Matt Sandine in a, in a uh, Canucks Jersey. <laughs> and i like my stomach just ugh! i felt sick that's just unnatural that's not american <laughs> yeah he's swedish but anyways i know it what you're trying was, to say it was a joke no i got it but uh anyways how did your esports thing go yesterday um it was a
0: different world it it's um it's not how you see it in tv I don't think
1: I've ever seen it on TV, personally. Like, I see it advertised at, like, the movie theater and stuff, that they do events and stuff there. But that's only my real, like, look into what that life is. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on what you did. I mean, if you can talk about it. I don't want to break any rules or anything.
0: No, I, I, um, so I work for a company called Anomaly, and I, um, I'm on the Bud Light team, and Bud Light, um, is doing a really good job of trying to um, trying to break into the esports world and um, they uh, they're just trying out different ways and um, trying to uh, it's it's hard to explain. They they want to enter into the esports world as a sponsor and it's a, a bit difficult because um, normally when these esports athletes are playing um they don't drink beer so it's um they're just trying to find different ways to stay authentic and um help out the esports community mm. and so that's what we've been tasked to do is to try and find or help um Budweiser do this yeah if that makes sense um so um we just went to an esports event that Bud Light hosted um at the ballroom in Toronto, and it was, um, it was a lot of focus on, like, the, the athlete's end, um, and it was, it was a bit weird, because as a spectator, like, you don't, you you can't really see the path of how things go like you would a normal sport. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it's, it's gonna be a world that I have to get used to, but it's definitely one that I'm excited about. Um, Yeah especially with the like the announcement that mls is going to get an esports league kind of like nba and then gary bettman wants to do a full 31 team nhl esports league like yeah. he, he announced that at the uh, the all-star weekend so it'll be a cool world to try and explore and get into over the next little bit
1: yeah i think it's cool because well first off i just applied you for being able to go in the condition that we were in the night before um <laughs> And like both of us on four hours of sleep. Um yeah. and you and I both had pretty important work meetings yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> row, But uh yeah, like I, I think it's cool. And like I said, you know, when you and I were driving home the other night, like I think one of the most like exhilarating things is like getting into something that you don't really have any point of reference in and you go in like completely open minded and you go in like wanting to consume as much information you can. And oh, yeah. the fact that it like, you know, it's cool because after this announcement from Gary Bettman, like to be very honest with everybody listening, I, uh, I play video games, but I wouldn't like consider myself to be a gamer really by any means in the sense that like, I'm not very in touch with like the, you know, culture, if you will, that like kind of comes with that. And now like esports is this huge thing. And I feel like, not like alienated by, but it's just not something I'm super interested in. Like I play NHL games pretty much just NHL games and the occasional, you know, like bigger title that comes out every year. Um, But I think the thing for me as a fan of the NHL series to kind of tie it back to hockey here is people are always so harsh and, and critical of like the EA sports NHL games and how, you know, they're, they're behind in terms of like where Madden is at and where FIFA is at and where all these other sports franchises are at. And it always goes back to this idea of like, there's no funding for it, or maybe it's not given the same priority that some of these other titles get. And you think about like 2k and their NBA series and how huge that is. And I know that there is, uh, the, my understanding at least was that the NBA teams are all going to have an eSports league as well. Yeah. And you know, I, I just wonder, like, what kind of ramifications does that have on hockey? Like, does this mean that a, a larger, um, well, maybe not larger studio, but like, does a game uh, company like 2K or one of these other ones, did they end up getting the NHL franchise if it means that there's going to be this heavier emphasis on esports? So, you know, I think the NHL is always looking for ways to drive revenue in different areas. And this could be something really cool. And if maybe there was like a collaborative, like strategic partnership that allowed the NHL to help fund new games, then people like me who, you know, spend a lot of time on like GM mode and stuff like that, (laughs) could maybe just some of the things that, you know, fans have been asking for for all these years, maybe that's incorporated into it as well. So Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, hundred percent like if if there's an esports aspect to the nhl series of games like i'm all over it like where do you stand on some of that stuff well yeah i
0: think it's like it adds a whole different layer of connectivity to the sport itself like so the hardest thing for me stepping into an esports world was their athletes like that's the hardest thing to wrap my head around because like you don't think that someone behind a computer is an athlete, but in like reality, these guys are cognitively and like in regards to dexterity, they're so far beyond like anything and that's all training and that's all like man hours and that's all like practice, 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 practice and conditioning, right? And so the first big thing was realizing that they were athletes and that they put in the same amount of dedication to their craft that say a hockey player would put into his craft right and Mm -hmm. so what i mean by a different layer of connectivity is someone say someone grew up who didn't have who had physical limitations where they couldn't actually lace up skates and get on the ice and so immediately from the get-go their dream of the nhl is ultimately over but if there's an nhl sanctioned esports league that's technically the NHL still that's their way into the NHL world so it opens up a whole different realm of fandom and ways to get into the game on a professional scale and not to mention for the league it actually opens up a whole second set of athletes that they can add to their roster and their revenue stream like if you think about it it's a whole like there's going to be a whole backhouse to the EA Sports League once it starts to grow and you're going to have managers, you're going to have coaches, you're going to have yeah. trainers, you're going to have GMs, you're going to have, like, when these events start becoming a live spectacle, you're going to have the whole subset of arena staff, but for, like, these these athletes, like, playing on these screens as well. And so it's basically twice the revenue for just breaking into a digital space.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like their overheads probably not nearly as significant either, right?
0: No, ab- absolutely not. Like they, they can get almost the same amount of return on their, or on these players that they would their NHL players. Not now, but if the like the world of esports kind of progresses, how it is like and on the same track, mm-hmm. um, definitely, definitely they can see um, the type of money coming out of these these uh these initiatives like they would an actual like in life franchise yeah and I
1: think like you know all this talk about the next collective bargaining agreement and the potential lockout in the next little while and I'm not trying to be negative but it's like it's it's almost reassuring to know that like I can tune in and watch the equivalent of the Toronto Maple Leafs or like a you know type of thing like that that might be able to you know, go a little bit further.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, kind of moving on forward to, uh, to, to, re- to physical hockey. Did you get a chance to tune into the all-star game this past weekend?
1: Yeah, I definitely did. I, uh, watched the skills competition. I always watch the skills competition. Um, <laughs> love it or lump it. I know some people hate it. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And then, and then I watched the game or, or rather the last couple of games, um, I was with my mom and and uh, my siblings, or I guess sibling, the youngest Sam, uh, and we watched the game. Um, I guess it would have been on uh, on the Sunday night there. So, yeah, it was interesting. What were what were your kind of takeaways? What did you like? What did you maybe not like so much?
0: Uh, well, y- you know my like take. I'm I'm always a fan of the All Star Game. Um, we, Chris and I, had a bit of a well by a bit of a riff i i mean i guess i i listened to him yell for a few minutes <laughs> and what, what he thought Re- refresh my memory what were we yelling and screaming about so i wish we could catch the raw emotion of it because we we were we were kind of talking about how people like knock the all-star game and saying things like it's like i i don't even like know some of the shit that comes out of that like i don't know where it comes from like People, I don't know how you could knock an all-star game and that's kind of where we were kind of riffing is because like, we, we lo- Chris and I love the all-star game because when at any other time in the NHL are you going to see the best players in the world on the same team playing against each other and trying out these wild crazy things that they would never try in any other type of game situation like it's it's like it's like a, a hockey fan's dream to watch all of these players basically push their skills and their creativity to the limit.
1: Yeah. I think part of the reason that I got so frustrated with it is I think it's a very maybe popular take to hate the All-Star game or, or not watch it or any number of reasons. So number one, I think the people who dislike it are very active on on social media and and things like that to say that they don't like it. But I find that it's one thing to have an opinion and it's one thing to be upset about something, but I don't think it's productive for really any party involved to just complain about it and then not be able to at least provide a solution to it. Or at least, you know, it's not like you can call Gary Bettman and be like, Gary, I've got some ideas. (laughs) <laughs> it, you know, that's obviously not an option, but at least like, give me what your take is and be constructive. Cause I want to understand where you're coming from. Like, that's why, you know, I follow that person on Twitter or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is understanding the idea of, of why they don't like it. And maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I think one thing that drives me particularly crazy is that, you know, We are not afforded to seeing the personalities behind the game. And I know we've talked about this before, and we've talked about PK Subban and his kind of larger than life persona that he has on the ice and off the ice. And for me, it like, you know, even if sometimes it feels forced, you know, when we both see Eichel and Matthews do the same goal celebration (laughs) to kind of mock the referee, or, you know, we have another scenario where. Um, Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman come in dressed up as pirates like those things to me like they may seem forced but I enjoy watching it you know what I mean and when I think about I think about like this is the example that I use with you When I get up in the morning and I got to go to work and I'm at work and I'm thinking about what I got to do when I get home, there is something that really excites me about the opportunity to go home and watch hockey. And, you know, whether I'm watching it with people or whether I'm watching it by myself, there's something that is very almost cathartic about looking forward to a hockey game when I'm finished work or whatever the circumstances. And when I watch the all-star game, I get excited by that. To me, it's still hockey. I still feel like I'm being entertained, even if it is players kind of calling it in and and people aren't necessarily blocking shots. And I get that people are saying that they, they don't try, but that last game that I watched, um, the gate, like the million dollar game as it were, like, you could tell they were actually trying, I felt. Stamkos looked legitimately frustrated that he kept hitting the crossbar. (laughs) Um, And, dude, you should have heard my mom's commentary while we were watching it, who she doesn't really watch hockey at all. Um, But it was weird because for a casual fan, which I would say my mom, my younger brother, and to a degree my stepdad – our casual fans, not watching it every night, not wanting to tune into, you know, stay up till one thirty in the morning to watch a Pacific game, like people, you, and you know, like you and I, right. Yeah. It's, It's exciting for the casual fan to see these superstars and see what they're made of, even if they're not firing 100 percent, even if they're still 80 percent, but having fun and kind of goofing around. Yeah, that makes it interesting for the casual hockey fan. and. People like you and I, we don't need to be sold on hockey because we're already, you know, the diehards who are bought into it, who, to my earlier point, are staying up all hours of the night to catch a game in the Pacific Division. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you don't have to sell it to me. Like, I'm already in. No problem. But they do need to sell it to the casual fans, right? Um did I did I make my point clear? Or was I like more uh, more yelly, screamy when we had the convo in the car? Oh no, no you,
0: you made your point clear. Good. Um, yeah, no, I I, it was uh, like the all star. I think the all star games like kind of going through an identity crisis a bit. Um, it's like definitely when we're talking old hockey, new hockey. It's pretty crazy to see like four all star teams yeah definitely like that was like that i'm still trying to get like last year with the north america teams and everything and then like those aren't all-star teams but like kind of a north america team introduced into like the world play and now like these four all-star teams it's really kind of crazy to see like how like the professional hockey league is having to accommodate with or accommodate this like mass level of superstardom that like you can't basically facilitate into your normal two teams. Like, you basically just... There's too many all-stars and not enough roster spots now. Like Yeah,
1: I feel the same way. And, and to your point about, like, a professional hockey league or really any sports league the thing that was so great about the world cup of hockey that i think blended nicely with this new all-star format of having each team like be a a divisional team is we're seeing these like matchups that you would never see in real life so when i think about world cup of hockey i think about like oh my god watching eichel pass it to mcdavid (laughs) you know what i mean and knowing that they're in the same division they're in the same conference arguably two teams that have a bit of bad blood not really but hopefully it gets to that point in the next few years between Buffalo and Toronto it's it's kind of cool to be like oh all right well I can do this and I can play these lineups in a video game but to turn on TV and to see them celebrating together having fun together yeah um yeah it kind of warms my heart a little bit
0: oh absolutely and we what do you what do you think about uh Braden Shen (laughs) And not Luke Shen making the all-star teams. Uh,
1: I'm not really surprised.
0: I mean, here's the thing with Braden Shen and a couple of the
1: other players that, you know, you, you don't get a, a ton of info water, like a magnifying lens on. Um, like Luke Shen as a, you know, suffering Maple Leaf fan. I, I don't have much to say about that. <laughs> but as far as Braden Shen goes, like Braden Shen's, like his brother, like, uh, uh, was considered a top prospect. I know he got drafted by LA and, and then was quickly moved to Philly with his brother for yeah. a period of time. And I think that when you look at that trade now, like, you know, he's he's his performance and what he's brought to that St. Louis top six is paying dividends, and, and, and yeah. I think that that's really good. It was interesting, too, like, you know, as – Somebody like I truly believe that there is an East Coast bias. Like there's so much talent in the Western Conference that you know you don't always see on display. And his teammate um, Pietrangelo winning uh, the I guess it was not the accuracy shooting accuracy no it was accuracy shooting wasn't it or ac- no that's what Brock Besser won yeah for. passing accuracy passing I guess yeah. it was it was what Pietrangelo um, won yeah that was cool too because I thought like the you know kind of going back to the skills competition some of the new things that they did i felt worked like i liked the they, they kind of went with like a higher tech thing and with
0: the puck um, control
1: and yeah and and you know at the end of the day like as i said i and i use the same kind of filter when i think about movies was i entertained for an hour yes or no <laughs> and i was entertained i enjoyed it um, I probably enjoyed the skills competition a little bit more than the uh, than the actual um, you know all-star game in its entirety. But, yeah, things are super positive. And um, uh, speaking of positive, just a little side note here. Just got a notification that uh, Justin Hall of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs just scored his first NHL goal. So, so nice. Uh, shouts to uh, Justin Hall. But what do you think you would change like if you could change anything about the all-star game format or the skills competition format like what's the one thing that you'd change
0: um i don't know like it's like that's the, like you kind of have to like i think it's in a transition of change right now like it's already an evolved thing you know like and you you're wondering like i think with the four um, like the adding those two extra games kind, mm-hmm. kind of um or no th- three or yeah two extra games because they play they each play then they play a final so it'd, it'd be two extra games um you, you kind of wonder like what else can you add right now at this point mm-hmm. um but i don't know i i i love it like for what it is right now, like the, the skills competition and how it's evolving is like sick and watching like the, the puck handling relay, it was like so cool to watch, like how like precise and robotic, but creative like these players are. And, yeah, and it gives like these new guys, like an opportunity to thrive, like, like Besser, like what the hell, like winning the accuracy, then the MVP, like that's so cool.
1: Yeah, he had a pretty crazy weekend. I think I was listening to it on Sportsnet or or something like that, and they were talking about how him like even getting into the All-Star game was one of his bonuses, and then him winning MVP was another bonus – And he won the car, which is another bonus. (laughs) And it's funny because the way that people talk about Besser is like being like kind of quiet and humble. And uh, somebody even referred to him as being introverted. Yeah, I know another uh, highly touted American sniper who uh, also got a bad rap for being kind of quiet and to himself. So let's just hope this doesn't ever become a thing where it's it's like Phil Kessel 2.0. And I honestly don't (laughs) think it will be. But, you know, I kind of respect the fact that he's not flashy and he's kind of to himself. And, you know, I remember watching him score his first NHL goal, and I think he was just kind of like, you know, he he wasn't showing a ton of emotion, which I I can understand might rub people the wrong way. But at the same time, like, not every hockey player is like that. And I think the skill set that Besser has, um, you know, for any Vancouver fans that might be listening – You know, I I see this guy as being like a a perennial, at least thirty goal scorer every year. Like I I genuinely think that that's the way he's going. And I think for for a team like Vancouver who's struggled up front, and you know we we talked about it at end, you know or, or you know we talked about it quite a bit in our last episode. Yeah, I for me it's like there is light at the end of the tunnel of this rebuild or whatever you want to call it that's going on in Vancouver. And I think that that helps. Helps them with some of the identity crisis that they that they find
0: themselves in now, right? Oh, absolutely! But, I, like Besser, like, and just kind of like touching on his like kind of like not flashy or anything. like he's twenty, like yeah, and he's like I I if I was a twenty year old and I had to lace up beside like Goudreau, Kopitar, Neal, Burns, Dowdy, McDavid, um, Ekman Larson, Flurry, like, like. Obviously, like, you're you're the most junior out of all of them. Like, yeah. why would you go in with all of these guys and, like, be a huge showboat or, like, be yeah. crazy? Like, I, I would be so... I'd be shitting my pants nervous if I, one, had to play in something like that, and, two, had to play in the shadow of... and, like, compete with all of these other guys, you know?
1: Yeah, I think he held his own, though. And oh, I yeah. I think now... He is maybe more so to the casual hockey fan, like a, a bit of a more known commodity. Oh right? yeah. So, but no, I, I think I, that layers an interesting.
0: I think point. It, in in the shadow was a wrong way to put it, but he's I guess, I guess like I said earlier, really, like the least senior out of all of them, and yeah. and that's an that's an intimidating thing for a hockey player. You could imagine. Absolutely. So I I I don't um, I'm not with the people who we're knocking Besser for his performance or his reaction to his performances.
1: Yeah. No, nope. you and I are on the same page on that one, for sure. I know, um, you know, given that it's it's uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, we were going to spend a little bit of time um, going through, you know, this amazing mental health initiative that's that's gone on from Bell for the past few years. Where did you want to get started on that, Carter?
0: Um, well, I guess we'll just kind of give a short, like, what – bell let's talk is to the people who don't know um it's just to raise awareness awareness and funds for mental health and the stigma surrounding it um here in canada um (laughs) these are for our our three international fans who are listening um and every, every time you send a text message from a bell uh provided line, um, or mention Bell Let's Talk in any of your social or visit the Bell Let's Talk page, Bell donates five cents to um, I forget exactly which mental health initiative, but, um, they raise millions of dollars in one day, which is a pretty amazing feat, um, and, um, Bell Let's Talk is something that uh, the NHL and the NHLPA uh, support very very heavily, um, Especially considering all of the um, people we unfortunately lost like due to mental health. Um, yeah. And so I guess we'll kind of move to talk a little bit in that direction. Just kind of the role of like mental health in hockey. And some of the players that we're seeing um, come out in TSN um, in the last little bit in special- specials like... Um, searching for Matt Johnson or the Paul Ranger story. Um, and just like the, the like enormous mental toll that like playing on the professional like stage has on a hockey player. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I guess that's where we're going to kind of kick off this next little bit. Um, you, you said you had a chance to watch the Paul Ranger story. What did you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think between all of them, they are just just really, really, really great pieces. And, um, you know, I think what's really refreshing about all of this is that we are at a place now where I don't think this stigma around mental health is completely over or everybody is on the same page around how it can happen to anybody and the steps that you can take to either speak to somebody or talk to somebody. But I do feel like things like bell, let's talk have, have gone a, a long way in doing that. And I'll first start off by saying that, um, I can understand people's perspective around, uh, the way that maybe Bell has gone around uh, or gone about doing this and how a lot of people feel like it's just almost like shameless promotion for Bell as a, you know, wireless carrier and and multi-million dollar company in Canada. And to them, I would say that I get the perspective, but I think it's so much more than that. And it's so much more about just engaging in the dialogue with people because people who have any type of mental health issues and in, in any capacity, anxiety, depression, bipolar, you know, any of these things, it's about getting a conversation started. And it's about listening to the people who are going through those things. So I think it's really short sighted. And I, and I think it's really unfortunate that people are, um, I wouldn't say against an initiative like this, but feel like it's being misplaced, because I don't think that it is. Um, but to answer your original question around the Paul Ranger story, I watched it uh, this evening actually at work uh, on my break. Um, and if you have the 15 minutes to watch it, it is, it is really, really great stuff. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because I knew that Paul Ranger played for Tampa Bay and, like, I knew that he was um, a pretty highly touted prospect um, earlier on in his career in the OHL. Um, and I know that he played for the Marlies and had a bit of a stint with the Maple Leafs in the last five years. Yeah. And then he didn't re-sign with the Leafs. I, I believe he was between the Leafs and the Marlies, kind of a call-up guy. Yeah, uh, and then I know, or at least I think I know, I think he went to Switzerland and yeah. played hockey for a tiny bit. Uh, and then, you know, you hear about the story, um, and, yeah, I guess for me, the biggest takeaway was that it can happen to anybody. And it's really interesting to see his his perspective and, and how he talked about his relationship with Rick Tockett and how not only was he a great coach, but he was a great mentor and a great friend to somebody who is in need. Um, and I think there's a period in the piece where he talked about how he felt soft because he broke down uh, and was crying and was emotional. And Um, I get that. I I totally get that. I think, you know, sometimes we project being big, tough, burly men, and and that's often not the case. What you see on the outside is not often um, the same as what's going on uh, inside or in in somebody's health, you know, when they're all alone, right? Um, but I think it was really brave. Um, I felt really good about the piece as a whole. Uh, and I hope we continue to see the dialogue. Um, and I hope that we can, you know, work together to, to end the stigma. But what, what, what were some of your takeaways from it uh, in watching it, Carter?
0: Um, yeah, I just, like, it's it's kind of, like, as I, the Searching for Matt Johnson story, like, kind of hit me pretty hard. Um, just in the, like, sense, like, you said one, it can happen to anybody, but two, you never expect it to happen to, like you said, these guys that are expected to be brutes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of the, I remember searching for Matt Johnson really like hit me pretty hard. Then seeing something like this kind of hit me pretty hard as well. And then once you start to look into it, like guys like, um, and, obviously the very worst case scenario that took their lives like uh Belak and Bougard and everything like that um yeah. these guys were all enforcers yeah like these guys were the toughest of the tough in the NHL like big bruisers on the blue line or like that were just meant to go out there and stir things up like Ranger Johnson Belak Bougard um Ripien. like all these guys were like they were your gladiators on the ice, and yet the something that you couldn't create a dialogue around essentially destroyed them, their careers, and unfortunately took their lives uh, in a few cases. So, um, the Paul Ranger thing was, um, it hit me hard, but it also, like, Paul in like the like in his interviews, like he mentioned light at the end of the tunnel. It does go to show that there is light at the end of the tunnel for these types of things, because he did bounce back and he's doing some like really cool things with his life. Like he's studying kinesiology and he's a coach, like an assistant coach uh, for the men's hockey team at UOIT here in Ontario. Um, Mm -hmm. and he got inducted into the Whitby sports hall of fame, um, because he's a Whitby (laughs) Oshawa native. Like he played for the Oshawa generals. Um, And so, (coughs) excuse me, it's cool to see someone who is hit so hard by something like this and had no one to turn to um, turn around and start to help out and really make waves and (coughs) and make a difference for other players like as in now as an assistant coach for a hockey team. He's going to have such a unique eye and such a cool perspective on how to deal with mental health and hockey and the student athlete and people who may be going through the exact same thing, if not worse than he was going through, you know? So that was my biggest take is that he really, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but he really owned it and wore like his armor rather than letting it be a chink in it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way and like I've I've talked about it on earlier episodes. Um and you know, it's it's something that I I struggle with all the time. I at a very early age um suffered from depression and and still have bouts with it here and there and um <clears throat> more recently have been dealing with anxiety and it's really crazy to think about some of the stupid things that can trigger it yeah. and how to manage it and and for me, it's, like, where it manifests itself and, um, you know, understanding what your triggers are and, and, you know, being able to get help for it. And, and fortunately for me, I've been super, super blessed uh, for for working for a company that will... And has given me time to try and figure out some of the things that are going on inside my head and, and helping me, um, find the right resources to talk to somebody. And I've been really lucky to have friends like you and, and, and really great family and and my partner and, and everybody else and just understanding and, and, and being there for me when I need it most. So it's, it is hard to talk about. Um, it's not something that is, I, want to say it's not something I'm proud of, but at the same time, I'm proud of myself for being able to talk about it. And, and, um, you know, I, I've said before and I'll say again, it's all about starting a dialogue and it's yeah. all about being there for one, one another and, and really, you know, caring for one another. And if anybody who listens to this needs any help or wants to talk, my DMs are open on all of my social media, um, and and that's what we're here for—is uh, to talk and, and we get through this stuff as a team, not alone. So.
0: Oh, absolutely, and that that's exactly it. Like, had these players had somebody to turn to, um, in that time, we might have saw a lot different of an outcome for each and every one of them. You know. Um, absolutely. Because there was a lot of pressure put on them, and and it's that kind of make it it uh, going back to the esports thing and layers of connectivity like this makes these players as bad, as bad as it is and as like crippling as it is to them more real and that's what i liked about the paul ranger story is that he he kind of he built the bridge between or like the bridge for that connectivity to happen and now he's helping out others yeah which is yeah. very very, um, a lot of respect for that.
1: Yeah. And we owe it to one another, right? If you've gone through it, um, you know, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to other people to take what you've learned and, and really help people deal with what they're going through. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. I, I fully support what's going on today. I would encourage you guys to, uh, become a little bit more familiar with Bell Let's Talk. By the time this, uh, you know, podcast episode airs, it would have already been over, but I trust that the people who listen to this are, uh, informed and in the know about such a great, um, you know, initiative that's gone on and, uh, will continue to be a successful one moving forward. But Absolutely. I know, um, I know there was a couple of other things that you wanted to talk about, uh, around our friend, Yara Yager retiring. <laughs> Uh, Was that surprising to you when that broke that he was going to be on waivers or like, what did that, what did that feel
0: like to you when you heard? Um, I like, honestly, Yager coming back was a ticking time bomb. Like it was bound to happen. Like it was like you couldn't like I, we said in the other episode, like in the earlier episodes, like he couldn't have went out on a better note. Mm-hmm. like if you look at his like last season with the Panthers like he had a 46 point season like and prior to that like he had a 66 point season so like you saw a bit of a decline but he still put up numbers like he almost put up a 50 point season his last year of hockey before this one people loved him in Florida and in the league and like watching him come back and like not even <laughs> Hardly even able to skate back to the bench after a shift. Like, it was... Like, you just wondered how long Calgary was going to hold on to him just for the sake of holding on to him, you know? So, mm-hmm. I, I'm i honestly surprised he made it 22 games with only a goal and a pocket full of assists. Yeah. Like, I, I really... Yeah, I and we were talking about it earlier again. I guess I this is the Referencing Older Episodes podcast. But, <laughs> like, he really stained his name a bit, I think, as bad as that sounds. But now people are going to remember Yager for his slow, shitty 2017-2018 season. They're not going to remember him for yeah his career that it's, he had.
1: You're right, and I think that, yeah, that 66-point season with Florida that was great. Like that was, I think some of the best hockey we'd seen from him in, in recent years. And all of this, you know, happens earlier this week. He's been reassigned to Kladno in one of the Czech leagues, extra league, I believe, um, which is the team that he owns, which is kind of funny that he's (laughs) been assigned back to the team he owns. Um, and I heard it floated out there that maybe Calgary recalls him for like the playoffs. And I was like, ah, nah, that would never happen. And then today I get a notification on my phone that Mike Fisher is back with the Predators. (laughs) And now I'm thinking like, well, fuck, I guess anything could happen then if Mike Fisher comes back. But see, that's a move that like, I don't know. And one part of me is like, oh, you know, players like Yager, you know, on the other end of their late 30s, early 40s, and, and obviously Yager's case a little bit older than that, can't keep up. And then I look at... Um, You know, Mike Fisher, who's had injuries. We know he's had injury problems. Um, You know, he actually, I'm just looking on here, he has never played a full 82-game season without being injured. Um, which isn't saying much, but we know that he's had some injury problems in the past. And like, I look at his last season with the predators was actually decent. 42 points the year before that, 23 points the year before that, 39 points. He's had kind of an up and down career with Ottawa. Um, but then I wonder, like, what value added does Mike Fisher bring to this team um, that's already a little bit deep? They've got Benino, um, turris and then Johansson as their uh, as their kind of their top three down the middle. So you just wonder, like, where does Mike Fisher, you know, fit on this team? Anyways, to Jager, if I could say it in Czech, I would say see you again in March when you inevitably get called <laughs> back up to the flames. But yeah, I don't know. I, I was really hoping, I know you, uh, you, me and Dan were talking about it at a hockey practice the other night. Like, could you imagine if, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, took on that, that cap hit for the rest
0: of the season and he ended his career as a penguin? Oh, like they, like, I think like, so going into Calgary, he's going into an organization that, like will inevitably lean on him a bit like bringing in a name like Yager and yeah. that's where you didn't see the success because the franchise pushed on him and he couldn't like reciproc or like in a reciprocal way push back as much as they needed him to so yeah it failed in the end but if you go to a team like Pittsburgh like completely aside from the f- how much history Yager and Pittsburgh has and how amazing it would see Yager to like head back to Pittsburgh, they have the depth and like the chemistry and the adaptability to be able to support a player like Yager. Yeah. And he could thrive for the second half, like the back half of the season in that franchise, just like just on what they have in Pittsburgh right now alone, like putting him into the lineup could only pump Pittsburgh up a bit more, I think.
1: So the last thing that we were (laughs) going to talk about before we end this episode is some remarks that Don Cherry made uh, about European players and their eligibility eligibility playing in the CHL. Did you see that, or did you hear about that at all? No, I didn't get a chance to see it. So I'm going to uh, kind of paraphrase an article here that I'm seeing on um, Sportsnet. I'll put the link to the article in the show notes um, so that the author gets the proper credit for it. But um, they were talking about... Uh, Basically, Don Cherry's thoughts around European players uh, playing in the CHL, and I guess he wasn't so keen on that. So speaking to the media before Thursday's top prospects game, this is last Thursday, Cherry was asked what he thought about Europeans coming to North America to gain experience. He said, I'm not too happy for that to be truthful. I'm supposed to say here, yes, we're a wonderful country and accept everybody here. What happens is, if you look at it, there's a Canadian kid not playing. No matter how you cut the mustard, I said this a long time ago, and now we have it in Bantam, we have them coming over in Bantams, if you can believe it. We have them in minor midget as I go all the time, and they're very rich when they come over, and you're asking me, do I believe in Europeans playing in the CHL? No, I don't. What is your take on
0: that, Mr. Lupel? Well, so I guess for... I'll go on record in saying that I am so not a Don Cherry fan.
1: Oh, me neither, um, dude. I, I think that his um, relevance to the game now is irrelevant. <laughs> like, there's a, there's not a time where I watch him. On television, on on um, you know, coaches' corner, and I'm like, wow, that was a really insightful thought.
0: Yeah, while well, he's it's... wearing his Boston Bruins suit, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that stuff I don't even care about. But I just feel like we need
0: to move on. Well, yeah, he, like from it's Don. it's not rock 'em sock 'em hockey anymore. Like, no, it's a very mature, refined, creative game now. Like, well, and I
1: just think like this isn't the first time that he's made. Um, I don't know. I, I would classify them as xenophobic comments about like their wealth when they come over and all
0: of that. Oh stuff. absolutely. Like how is how long are we gonna support like Don Cherry's like nasty comments that are completely ostracizing?
1: Yeah, and they're and they're unfounded as well, right? Like yeah. I've immediately you know benefited from some European players um playing on the Colts yeah. um, here in Barrie, like Andre Svechnikov um is a top prospect um we've been out to the Colts games a few times to watch him um Alexei Lipanov was another uh import player we also had another player who played for the Colts uh, Kirill Nizhnikov and he played for the Barry Colts before he got traded to Sudbury for Sokolov yeah another Russian <laughs> player who was drafted by Minnesota and like I love it I think they're so fun to watch and these comments about how um, there's a Canadian kid not playing and what a fucking weird line. No matter how you cut the mustard, (laughs) I'm doing like the Nick Young gif where like the the question marks are around his face. Don Cherry's brain is mustard. <laughs> like it's- I just, I don't understand like why a comment like that needs to be played. Well, Here's the idea. I'll make it real simple for you, Don. The best players should play in the game. Simple as that. And see, that's- if they're from Russia or they're from Aurelia or they're from the Czech Republic or they've been playing here since they played in minor midget or they've been playing here, Uh, you know, or, or maybe they were playing overseas until they got drafted in the import draft. Like, the best players should be the ones that are playing in the league at any given time. Oh. And as a fan, I just
0: want to watch the best players. I don't know where you sit, Carter, but what's your take? Absolutely. Like, if a Canadian player could be playing in that spot, then he needs to have the level of play to be able to play in that spot. And yeah. the NHL boasts that it's the best hockey in the world and it's the most professional hockey or the most the highest platform that you can play on. then absolutely you should be drawing from all corners of the world. I think that comment is very, um, to kind of put it to everyday use, kind of as useful as someone saying, oh, I don't like immigrants coming and taking my jobs. Well, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be taking your jobs if you were good enough to hold that job. The reason why they (laughs) (laughs) are coming to take that job is because they're willing to do the work and they can do it better than you. Right. And they're going to bust
1: their ass and not complain about it. Oh, absolutely. So.
0: Like, And so, and like, I, I hate to compare someone who has made a big life shift, like to support their family and come over and find a better life. But that's essentially what these hockey players are doing is they're uprooting themselves. They're taking themselves out of their natural environment and they're forced to operate on a world-class scale um and if they can do it and do it better than canadians then by all means i want to see them beat the canadians you know like it's there's no way that we can as north americans boast that we have the best platform in the world to play on and then limit it to just north americans then that's like a completely counterproductive and um stagnant way to think about our game
1: yeah absolutely and the squeaky cat noises you hear in the background just then is just my cat co-signing everything that you're saying <laughs> she hates don cherry uh and i know that uh that uh, ace and balto are not a fan of don as as well no so. no
0: I, I should get them don cherry plush toys for for a special occasion and <laughs> let them tear it apart <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um yeah it's 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 really just kind of a bummer for me because I remember being a kid and, like, loved Coach's Corner. And oh, we've talked about it before. Like, I love the Rock'em Sock'em uh, VHS tape suite. Yeah. You know, we used to watch them all the fucking time. Oh, yeah.
0: I I watched. I used to watch them so much that, like, the video wouldn't even work anymore. And by the yeah. time it started to burn out, he would come out to another one. And I would watch that one until the video burned out. Yeah.
1: And now I just don't give a shit. Now I want to listen to what Ron
0: says. (laughs) I want
1: to hear Ron McLean talk about hockey. I do not give a single fuck what Don Cherry has to say in 2018. I'm
0: so happy Ron McLean grew balls over the 20 years he's been with Don Cherry and started to fight back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, for me, like, the most exciting part about Saturday night, like the hockey broadcast, is watching Elliot, Nick, Chris Johnson, and Ron McLean talk about you know, what's going on, rumors, um, you know, trade talk, like that kind of stuff. That's the stuff I'm tuning in for. Right. Yeah. And there's literally been times where he'll come on the screen and I'll just mute it and I'll go make myself a coffee or something while he's talking because I just, I'm just not interested. And the other part of it that, you know, I find so interesting is I'm looking at some of the draft rankings for this upcoming draft the uh, Rasmus Dalin draft, um, as, as <laughs> everybody's calling it. And I'm looking at kind of the combined list from both TSN, from Sportsnet, uh, and some of the other um, scouting um, companies or, or blogs that I follow. And wouldn't it be great if the first top 10 picks of this
0: upcoming draft were all Imports. non-Canadian players? Yeah, it'd be. Right? Well, that, and that just goes to show like how... Mature the games starting to show itself as like it's, yeah, like maybe Don Cherry's just pissed because he's not going to be able to make he's not going to have enough content to make a rock 'em sock 'em hockey anymore.
1: Well, yeah, but the other part that's crazy about it, and I found this super interesting, is that he has won with the ice dogs when he was a little bit more involved with them with European players. The only reason that his ice dogs won was because of the the import players or the European players that played on their team. And we are so far removed, at least I'd like to think that we're so far removed, from this idea of European players being soft or, like, not fighting and all these other stupid stereotypes that existed in the 80s and 90s. Like, we're not seeing that anymore. So, like, Don, you're 83 years old. God bless you for whatever you've done in the sport. <laughs> I don't care anymore. And no. I just, I don't, the last thing that I want to do is read any more comments that, as I said, they just read as very xenophobic
0: and I just don't care. I'm not interested. No. Sorry, Don. But when, you know what, I, and, but that's the, uh, so I can talk about him for hours, but Don Cherry, like, hearing him talk about Ovechkin in one breath and then say things like that in another breath, like how does, how this guy still has a seat in the public eye is beyond me. Yeah. Like, well, I think part of it is
1: because there is still uh, like a, a collective or a group of people that are interested in some of the stuff that he has to say. But I think it's very small mindedness. Um, you know, and, and that's where a lot of that, uh, kind of hate, perpetuates and, and, and continues. So I don't know. I'm just, I I feel like if I leave the mic on, I'm just going to continue to say bad things about Don Cherry. So we'll move forward, but it is certainly a a scenario where he needs to just get over it. And, uh, you know, take a look at the talent that's in the NHL right now. Right. I think of how fortunate we are to see players like Nikita Kucherov and just, how amazing he is. And I think about, you know, when I was a kid and, and watching the Red Wings and like the Russian players and like Fedorov and Lidstrom and, and well, Lidstrom's Swedish, but sorry, you I, know I, what I mean? I, <laughs>
0: no, I, I, I kind of, I bucket those. Like I buck them as imports, I guess like, right. Well, I'm just looking here at like your player leaderboard
1: on NHL.com. The top point producer, Russian, Nikita Kucherov. The top goal scorer, Alex Ovechkin. (laughs) Alex Ovechkin, 30 goals. Russian. Uh, the top goaltender wins, Andre Vasilevsky, yeah. Russian. <laughs> he probably sees this and is having a conniption, just like thinking oh, about oh, they're, they're- how there's no top, you know, there's no Canadians on that. And I'm looking at the other things here, like top assists, Jakub Voracek. Uh, I believe he's from uh, either the Czech Republic or Slovakia. Um, William Carlson, Swedish, top plus minus. That stat doesn't really count. but. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and and I just wonder, like, dude, get your head out of your ass. Like, it's not just Canadian players. And this is the first year. Fuck, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, I'm sure. I would love to see a team spank Canada at the World Juniors. Because as a proud Canadian, I love Canada and and I love living in this wonderful and amazing country but i think at one point or another we're going to get fed a slice of humble pie by this like amazing swedish team or russian team and i think it's going to have us like reflect a little bit of you know there are hockey superpowers growing in this in this world and it won't be Canada forever we're already seeing that like look at the goaltending prospects the top goaltending prospects in the world come from either Russia or Sweden not
0: Canada yeah Russia Sweden (laughs) Finland like
1: right exactly like
0: Carey Price and um and Marc-Andre Fleury like can only last for so long you know I guess and Holtby as well. Like they're like you see those three big Canadian names, but they're they're like they're on like the wrong side of the the top of the curve. You know, like they're you're going to see them start to head on their way down now.
1: Right. And we have three goaltending prospects uh, coming over from Russia probably in the next little while. Here's a. I don't know. If, I think we talked about them on the last episode, but uh, there's this uh, gentleman named um, uh, Igor Shestyorkin, yeah. who is a New York Rangers um, top goaltending prospect. Um, there's also Ilya Samsonov, who's playing um, in Russia. That's going to be an amazing prospect for the uh, for the Washington Capitals. Um, and then there's also Ilya Sor- Sorokin or Sorokin, um, who's uh, the New York Islanders' like top goaltending prospect. Yeah. So yes, their names are hard to say, <laughs> but they are going to be amazing. And these are names that we're going to have to get familiar with well, sooner and, than later.
0: And we're already familiarizing ourselves with like if you think of Renee and Vasilevsky, like. Nashville and Tampa like look how well those teams are doing and they owe a lot of thanks to who's between the pipes. Yeah, and, so- and even in Nashville like you see Saros is
1: people were saying forever that he was just on the brink of of being the starter in Nashville. Um and yeah, he's had his ups and downs, but in any case, I think we've driven home the point here on this, Carter. Yeah. Um, Don Cherry just needs to get over
0: it. To, to support my my co-host here, I, I do agree that like Canada can't be the hegemon forever, and people are going to get tired of the Canada winning all the time narrative. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's going to be pretty wild to see how how the tables turn. There's there's just too much good hockey in too many places now to for us to stay oh, like. That relevant for that long?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember as a kid, one year I told my parents when the I think it was the Olympics. I can't remember what year it would have been, but I asked for them to buy me a a Team Sweden jersey because that's the team that I was cheering for. Sundin was on the team when I was a kid, and like you know, I can just imagine their horror. They're like young child trying to be a uh, you know a, a Team Sweden homer and, and not a, a Canadian fan, but. In any case, we should probably wrap this episode up. Was there <laughs> anything else that you wanted to add um, before
0: we before we sign out for the evening? No, I don't think so. I Just to add to that, I was the same way. I wanted a Germany jersey just because of how cool they looked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, I don't blame you. They do have a pretty sick color scheme in the big... The uh, in the big scheme of things, but Slovenia I think has the coolest jerseys right now with that like lime green and black and white. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, we'll save that for another episode. We are going to have a guest on our next episode. Um, his name is uh, Thomas Williams, and he uh, he's a uh, Detroit Red Wings blogger. <laughs> what would you say about Thomas before we uh, we can hype him up a little bit for the next episode,
0: Carter? He's just so smart. Like, he's very, very knowledgeable. Like, if um, if you listened to the episode with Tim Waugh and you appreciated the insight that Tim Waugh brought on the Coyotes, um, and not just the Coyotes, but the perspective on a team in that type of transition, um, Thomas brings that same level uh, with the same type of franchise, um, but also with the rest of the game. He's <coughs> excuse me. He's a Leafs fan, Um Whoa, get, whoa 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 don't out the guy no so, sorry i'm just saying like but he's got such a unique eye to the game um and it's it's fun listening to him talk about it because he appreciates the game from a different scope so i think you guys are really going to enjoy listening to thomas and what he's got to bring to the table absolutely i think uh yeah thomas has a lot to
1: add um, with respect to how the wings are doing, and I want to get some insight around some of the moves that they make, and you know where he thinks Mike Green uh, will inevitably get <laughs> traded to. Hopefully, so, hopefully yeah. my my bedroom. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Tune into the the uh, episode uh, next week, episode 7, with our friend Thomas. Uh, and check out some of his uh, work on the Wings Nation uh, website. He wrote a really great article about a week ago about uh, Joe Hicketts. We'll, we'll post uh, it in
0: our show notes as well
1: yeah exactly um he's got some great stuff going on over there and uh as always you can listen to hosers on uh, itunes and soundcloud rate and review the podcast on itunes or feel free to leave a comment on soundcloud you can follow the podcast on twitter at listen to hosers and you can follow carter and i at c killingsworth9 and at carter lupel at carter lupel all right Thanks, guys. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.